Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company, all right? We're a movement of everyday folks like you and me who are letting beauty break through the noise so it can transform our culture from the inside out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm so pumped you're here. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Season 4, Episode 8 of the Love Good Podcast. Always a joy to be sitting down with my good friend, Father Ryan Adorjan. We'll just go ahead and call him the official Love Good Chaplain. I mean, it's been three years since he was first on the podcast as a young squire. He was a deacon, I think, at the time, not even a Catholic priest yet. And let's be real. I mean, that guy... I don't quite know how he does it. He's got a heart that is deeply engaged in prayer, deeply engaged in the love of God, but he's got a mind that just kind of soars, right? I do kind of go into student mode whenever I'm with him, even sometimes when I'm with Dr. Ryan Hanning, these guys are just brilliant intellects. And it's always a joy because today we pick up where we left off. Oh, it's, it's actually been like, I think almost two months, which is ridiculous. No, it's been about six weeks since we last had Father Ryan Adorjan on the podcast. We set the stage on that episode for what it really looks like to build a Christian culture. And he began talking about Roman law and Greek philosophy and biblical faith. And today he really wraps it all up and gets super practical and talks about sort of the the antithesis of Christian culture, which is right now woke culture and cancel culture. So we definitely dive in. It gets a bit contentious at times, but you know what? What pursuit of truth doesn't involve a little bit of contention along the way, right? Today's a joy, as it always is, with Father Ryan Adorjan. Before I sit down with him, enjoy this epic song from the 2017 debut album from Jay and Joe. Okay, all of our patrons are enjoying Jay and Joe tremendously right now. They were, of course, on the podcast a few weeks ago. They've got this brand new album, Victory, but this is where it all got started. This is Homesick Heart off of the 2017 album, Grounded and Light. Well, I make my cup of coffee like the day before, but there's an aching feeling knocking at the door. Cause I want to go, go back to the start and try to dry the tears of my homesick heart. Well, homesick heart, why do you cry? You've got an empty feeling, but you don't know why. And you don't take two pretty things or Welcome back, Father Ryan. Thank you. It's been about a month, and Mm -hmm. gosh, we we got into it. We left you on a cliffhanger. We did. You have been, most of our listeners have no nails left because (laughs) they've bitten them off. I mean, wouldn't you? Anticipation. Now, before we jump into culture, 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 it's really interesting because as you pointed out to me recently, this whole thing was initially just about music. Mm -hmm. The whole love good thing. 45 City House concert tour. 
glorified city of the month club. Yeah, there was this like undergirding of something bigger. Yeah. But I didn't really know what it was. I, I mostly didn't know how to put it into words. And you were just saying a few, well, a few episodes ago that it wasn't even until you were getting a master's degree that you had enough understanding of church history to be able to put it into words yourself. Yeah. And therefore understand our, our moment. I guess I'm bringing all that up because I mostly want to know what music are you listening to right now? Well, right this minute, I'm listening to the musical sound of your voice, Jimmy. Uh, but that's rough. Um, so I had a, a nice seven and a half hour drive down here from Joliet yeah. to Nashville. And honestly, I'm in that weird period where I think there's a lot of new music around, but I've just been really revisiting some old favorites. Mm. I was blasting Fleet Foxes on the way here. Oh, wow. White Winter Hymnal, Tiger Mountain Lullaby, is that what it's called? Uh, That's one of my favorite songs, I think, ever. (laughs) I've been getting actually into this band or artist, I'm not even sure, Sleeping at Last. Where did you find that? So there's someone I follow on Instagram who may, well, he's definitely not a patron, but he would be, well, he might like to be a patron, actually. I don't know. Anyway, I am just intrigued by this individual, by his many myriad, first of all, his lifestyle, but also his views on politics and things are very well thought out. Anyway, he's a young guy. And he shared one day a Spotify playlist called Inspiration, and it has days worth of music on it. I mean, like he spent years curating this thing, and he's always adding new things to it. But it's like if you're in the mood for like some melancholic music, you know, or if you, I use it to study a lot, mm. or if I, long day, a lot of meetings, want to just sit in my room and kind of, you know, read a book and have some quiet music, this is what I'll put on. So it's, it's pretty chilled out. It it's doesn't distract. very chilled out. Yeah. 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 But there's a, there's a lot of, I mean, things on there that will, there's Bon Iver on there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a lot of like recognizable yeah. things. It's not just like, soft piano sonatas for a lonely night. You know, uh-huh. That's not what it is. Uh, it much, yeah. So I've been going to that a lot. And to be honest with you, <laughs> somewhere like mid-June, I was blasting uh, the Oh Hello's Christmas album. I was going to ask, when are we going to finally see them together? When are they going to go on tour? When is anybody going to go on tour? Yeah, crazy. Don't you miss live music so much right now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're getting some house concerts here and there and some live streams, thanks be to God, but that's not the same as like the Oh Hello's front row on an arena tour with, you know, Need to Breathe or Fill in the Blank. They've toured with a lot of great artists, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of great artists have toured with them. Yeah. Yeah. And always sort of wake up and realize, oh my gosh, there's like 10 of them that we need a whole tour bus just for this band, this opening act. Are they always like 10? Do they just travel? Oh yeah. How do they make a living doing that? Who it's cares? A lot of, they're doing it. <laughs> a lot of mouths to feed. It's just yeah, incredible. Yeah, they're doing it. They're it's doing it. It's because they're good. And they're when, related. When you, uh, the, no, just nah. this, the two are. Yeah. They're brother and sister. Oh, I know. And the rest are, I think, just friends and yeah. people who have been gathered together along the way. Yeah. Which was something I was thinking about when you brought up how this love could used to be just music and now mm-hmm. it's something much bigger. But it's something, you know, I, I think of the old man perhaps sitting on a on a porch somewhere watching his children's children play mm, mm. and thinking how this all started <laughs> as, as me trying to get the attention of that girl over there. Yeah. 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 50 years ago. That's cool. You know, you yeah. never know what's going to come. If you're doing something yeah. that is, that is what you're meant to do. 
Yeah. yeah. You just got to sit back and watch it grow. One of the real joys of the last few months has been the live streams for sure. I, I've enjoyed them, but I'm mostly looking at a camera the whole time. Yeah. Or I'm behind the scenes producing on behalf of an artist. Super fun. But the best have been the Zoom chats. These just incredible, sometimes very the post live stream moments. Zoom chats yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I think about, you know, gosh, this little girl asking me on a Zoom chat, how did Love Could Start? I mean, she was just, you were there. It was precious. I was like, that's like so sweet. Even even if your mom is whispering the question in your ear right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just so cool. Did and you it, see the way they were sitting together? No. I mean, it was just so loving. Yeah, I thought was, that is yeah. so pure. That is beautiful. It is. And obviously that would have never been a thought seven years ago that we would have, first of all, been in the midst of a worldwide pandemic that would have left all of us homebound for a couple of months. But the last thing I would have expected was then to be like connecting with people in such a beautiful, simple way behind a screen over the course of many months. And I can't help but think now that all that's kind of in the past, like, well, when am I going to see these people again? Yeah, here and there, hopefully beyond just behind a screen. But it does get me so excited for heaven. It gets me so excited it for does. heaven. It does. It does. I was talking to one of these guys yesterday, one of our patrons, it's a young man. And he said, Jimmy, you know, one of the hardest things I deal with every day is like basically FOMO. He didn't even call it that. But it's like, I always want to be everywhere at once. And therefore I kind of feel like I'm nowhere. Yeah. But there's an ache there that I think points to heaven. It points to this fundamental truth that we're not home yet. And in some ways that we touched on that a few weeks ago, last time you were on the podcast, that in fact, that's what the world needs right now is hope beyond you know, beyond the mess, beyond the muck. Without that hope, I think it's very hard for our lives to move forward, you know, for our country to move forward. Yeah. For our family to move forward. I mean, you, I'm always inspired, like when I celebrate a funeral mass, just the prayers of the funeral mass mm. are filled with that. Yeah. This sense that, yeah, the person's dead. Yes, they're now kind of being commended to the mercy of God. Yes, they're kind of facing whatever they need to face. But there is a, the sure and certain hope that we will be with them again mm. in some way, mm. right? I think actually like our culture of, hey, let's keep in touch. <laughs> the let's keep in touch culture of social media. Hey, what's your handle? I'd love to keep in touch. You know, you're never going to talk to them again. Yeah. You'll like their picture. That's it. You're going to double tap as you scroll right on by. <laughs> and you're never going to talk to them again. But is there something valuable? You know, I think about, this is a spoiler alert, but you all should have ridden written. You all should have read the Chronicles of Narnia by now. So I have no patience for those who haven't reached the end of the last battle. So I'm going to give you a spoiler. But when they get to Narnia and they hear, come further up, come further in from Aslan, they, they hear it, you know, a bunch of times and they keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into the true Narnia. And Lewis we don't keep up. We don't keep in touch with Reepicheep. Reepicheep doesn't throw his handle to us as he goes off to the Eastern Islands beyond the sun at the end of the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. He doesn't tap his digits to us. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't give it. We, we don't care about Reepicheep. You know, we're not, we're not sending our mail to Reepicheep. We're not, we're not checking the tweets of Reepicheep. How is he doing in the land beyond the sun or horizon or whatever, or the Eastern sky? Okay, we, we're not doing that. And you forget about Reepicheep largely. And then all of a sudden... I cried in the last battle. I mean mm. this. I cried yeah. when Reepicheep comes back, when they see Reepicheep and wow. he's there in the true Narnia and he's yeah. been there waiting for them. That made me weep. And I get tingles even thinking about it now mm. because 
we didn't Lewis didn't keep in touch with Reaper Cheap. You know what I mean? We didn't keep in touch with the badgers <laughs> from yeah. the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and yet mm. there they were. Mm. You know, so the keep in touch culture, I think, actually fosters maybe an inauthentic version of communication. Yeah, the idea that we're keeping in touch, but you know what I mean? It's a cheap sense of belonging. You know, yeah. I've seen every almost every day on your Instagram story that you go to that little hike place. I know. With your creek, I got to stop that. I've never talked to you about it. I have no idea. I've, I know that you go. I have no idea why you go or what's there for you when you go or what you get out of it after you go. I don't know. I, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So are we really keeping in touch yeah. or did I just receive a transmission of data from your life timeline? The latter. Anyway, where did we leave off last time? Culture and specifically the three marks or the three... So the three intersections of... of, of Western culture coming together. Fascinatingly, when I started studying culture, Catholic culture especially, the first book we read was the Aeneid, mm. which is, of course, not a Christian book. But to understand the world in, in which Christ, you know, Came into it. which Christ was born. Yeah. The Roman world, the pagan world, etc. And so, to understand true Christian culture, the true idea of the West, quote-unquote, it's really the coming together of the three transcendentals, which are represented by the three dominant cultures. You could say there's been a kind of annexing or rezoning so that Athens, Jerusalem, and Rome are now one giant municipality mm. called the West. So you have the true, which is Greek thought, you have the beautiful biblical faith, and you have the good, Roman law and the vision of life. So the biblical faith, of course, the beautiful, is the Judeo-Christian tradition. We see here what we talked about in the last podcast about the intersection of history with divine intervention. But that, of course, is a total other talk in itself. But Greek thought, I think, is the one that's so interesting for us today. The idea of Greek thought, of the Hellenistic worldview, Hellenistic just comes from the Greek word helos, which is the Greek word for Greek. <laughs> Greek word for Greece, I suppose. But here we don't see kind of this divine revelation. Rather, we see a more natural theology, a more natural philosophy, which is a consideration of God, religion, humanity, and kind of popular culture without the aid of revelation. What can we know about the universe, about God, without revelation? Not, of course, that revelation is bad. Revelation informs all of this. But the whole point of, of kind of the Greek school is that we can know this stuff through natural reason, through natural theology. And natural theology is an essential part of the Judeo-Christian tradition yeah. as it's developed. The way of thinking has become an essential part of the tradition. So I suppose the Greek thought gives us four convictions. And I want to talk about the convictions because they help us to understand our relationship with God, our relationship with ourselves, and our relationship with creation. First of all, before we say anything, it's important to just remind everyone, I think we've talked about this before, the the kind of Greek conception of the human person, right? The word for human or man, mankind, is anthropos, mm-hmm. right? So the study of humanity, of civilization, is anthropology. And so anthropos in Greek is actually the word which means to look up or to gaze upward. Mm-hmm. But we use it 
to describe the human person for two reasons. One, the human person walks on two legs. We're called anthropods, right? But also because on a, on a more, I guess, spiritual level, on a more interior level, we are the first ones in the evolutionary process to have the faculty of reason, mm. rationality. Man, Aristotle said, is a rational animal. He's an animal, of course. He's got all of that. He's got the five senses. He's got the need to reproduce and to grow and to eat and to augment over time. He's got the need to go out and satisfy base material needs. You know, clearly <laughs> human persons have base needs, right? Food, shelter, water, relationships, etc. But the human person, and again, this is another talk, how did we get there? But is a rational animal. That is to say, he no longer looks down at the world instinctually. Rather, he can gaze up and out of the world. And he can have the sense that his origin and his destiny are both in the heights. And now it's the Christian belief, here you enter now that Christian tradition, the Judeo-Christian worldview, that the origin and, and destiny of the human person are not just up and above and outside of, the human person, but the origin and the destiny are one and the same. Mm. We said on a podcast recently that exodus reditus mm. kind of paradigm, right? I've gone from somewhere and I yearn to return there. Mm. Which explains the power of not this empty nostalgia or the sort of wishful thinking nostalgia, but the kind of nostalgia that points to the heavenly homeland. The heart knows infallibly what corresponds to its longing. Mm -hmm. It does. Mm -hmm. Maybe it, I can't name it, but when you find it, when you taste it, when you see it, you're like, okay, this, yeah. I, this, is, a, this is a path. Yeah. This is a light on the path. The famous line from St. Augustine, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless till they rest in you. Mm -hmm. Ficisti nos ad te, Domine. Mm -hmm. Ad te, not pro te. That fascinates me. So there's two words there for for. Mm -hmm. You have made us for yourself. But Augustine did not write Ficistinos prote domine. Prote would be like ora pro nobis. Pray for me. Do this for me, right? Open the door for me, mm -hmm. okay? I've made you, yeah, but I made you kind of to work for me. I've made right. you for my own purposes, not because I really wanted to or because I have any desire of relationship with you beyond you're just here for me, for my own needs. No, no, no. Augustine writes, Ficisti knows ad te. And of course, ad is the Latin word, which means toward, right? Ad orientum, ad infinitum, ad nauseum. Some people are thinking, Father Ryan's going on, ad nauseum. <laughs> but get yourself a bag and buckle up because we're not even done yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about orientation. It's about... So listen, if, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So instead of... I've. I've made you f to just work for me. No, I've, I've built you toward me. Yeah, I love that. I've built you, I've oriented you in the deepest part of you to go to me. And so man and women are restless until we rest in him. That's what that means. Mm. We are restless in quietude is I think the word Augustine uses. There's a disquiet within our hearts until we rest in him. Why? Because either we go toward him and toward the thing that we naturally long for, or we go away from him. Right. Think about Dante. 
when he's down there in the pit of hell, he's sitting there, there's Virgil, he's down there with Satan. Satan's stuck in the pit of the earth, flapping his wings. It's freezing cold. But what language does Dante use? Dante is saying things like he's woozy and he's dizzy and his head hurts and vision is blurry because he's as far away from God as he will possibly ever get. Mm. And so he is as far away from being fully alive. And it's almost like he's going in and out of existence. Mm. Think of it like a satellite dish in a thunderstorm. Yeah. It's hazy. Sometimes it's not there. Sometimes it is there. Just to, just to back up to this thought about to the heights, Yeah. right? This, this Greek understanding that the human person is made from something, someone great, infinite, but up in the heavens in a sense, right? And that that is also well, you would what say, we are so destined that, for. I mean, that's kind of like a Christianizing of it. So be careful yeah, because yeah. we would say we're made in the image of, of God, mm-hmm. but the, the Greek perspective is that there is a higher principle. Mm-hmm. We didn't necessarily come from that higher principle though. It's not that, right, exactly. It's mm-hmm. not that the divine logos wants anything to do with me. This is why, by the way, a lot of people when Jesus came and in the early church had trouble intellectually accepting mm-hmm. the claims of Christianity, in particular, the gospel of John, when he uses the word logos yeah. to say, I mean, and, and Greek thinkers were saying, the logos wants nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. Why would, wh- that doesn't make any sense, mm. but that in itself is another talk. So just be careful because yeah. it's not that we're in the image, according to the Greek perspective, right. we're not in the image of that principle, mm-hmm. but we have some, some sense come toward, come from the principle. We're ordered by the principle and the order in the universe, and these are basically a summary of those convictions I was talking about, mm. that the universe is ordered by a divine kind of integrating principle, and that this order actually reflects and in some sense reveals the principle. What's the significance then, in terms of culture, and especially Christian culture, of Christ coming when he did? Is this the height of Greek thought that he steps into and... and and fulfills, you know, is there, I mean, not that we have this sort of like divine perspective perfectly, but what is the point in providence and providence's timing that Jesus came when it did? If in fact there is this collision of Greek philosophy and biblical faith, and as we'll get into in a moment, Roman law. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know the answer to that question. God, the father knows the answer to that question and perhaps him alone. But I do think you see at the time when Jesus comes that Roman law and the vision of the Roman life are really beginning to pick up. Mm -hmm. have been going very strong, you know, for a few centuries now. And you still see, you know, the great writers of the Greek world going and getting into it and really uncovering a lot of things. And you also see a certain strength although not without its problems, of course, in the Hebrew culture, in the biblical culture. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think you could say that the three of them were were active and strong really at that time, but I don't know the answer to that question. all informed, deeply informed what we know now as Christian culture. Yes, because the coming of Christ allowed the three of them to come together. Remember that to be a culture a healthy culture, there must be some integrating principle. Every culture has a point of integration. Every culture has a common end point, which in theory would serve as its animus, you know, as the spirit of animation of its movement, of its existence. So remember the, the long forgotten fourth transcendental unity. 
And so the, a, a true healthy culture is a culture that is unified. Does that mean there are no problems? <laughs> no, of course not. But it means that things move hierarchically. It means that everything is tending toward this greater, higher principle. Everything from the most mundane thing to the greatest things are moving upward mm. toward their fulfillment in this kind of unifying principle. And in, from the Christian perspective, we see that principle is God, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I want to be with God. I know that God wants to be with me because he sent his son while I was still yet in my sin. He saved me from my sins. Look at the love with which God has loved us, St. John says. He wants to be with us and I want to be with him. And so we can say then, if if the Christian God is the integrating principle, the Christian God is the fulfillment of all my desire, therefore I want to be with him, Mm. then I think we can say that the integrating principle is also the animating principle. The reason that I do what I do is because I want to be with him. Mm -hmm. The reason that everything exists is because he made it. And the reason that I do everything that I do is because I want to be with him. So just again, to zoom out for a moment. Yeah. (laughs) What's the integrating principle of our current culture? (laughs) If it ain't Jesus and if it ain't Christian culture, what's integrating it? What's animating it? Is that part of why there is so much unrest, turmoil, tension? Because there's discord? Because we're not on the same page, even remotely close Hmm. to the same page? Yeah. Do we even have a culture right now? I guess is the big question. We have something, that's for sure. We have a big conglomerate in one way or another. Let me kind of say it this way. I wonder if an in, an integrating principle, I don't know, because if there's no objective truth, if there's no objective reality, then there can't be an integrating principle. Right. There are simply a lot of them, maybe. But is it really an integrating principle if there's more than one? I don't know. But I think one of them we can point to is being woke. <laughs> what animates us these days is being woke. The woker you are, the more claim you have on social status, on a part in society. And then the other side of this, or kind of the antithesis or the other side of the coin of woke culture is cancel culture. You're woke or you're not. And if you're not woke, then see you later, alligator, because we don't want anything to do with you. You're woke or you're not. But what is being woke based on? And this is why the woke culture will never be totally fulfilled. It's because what is woke built upon, but it's, it's the gauge of wokeness is identity politics. So I have... You know what I mean? There's all these boxes, okay? So the more boxes of a peripheral group or a minority group that you belong to or a victim group or an oppressive group, you know, that you belong to. So for me, as as a Catholic priest, a Roman Catholic priest, I am a member of the literal patriarchy. You understand? I have no woke tokens. Think about it in terms of that. I have no woke tokens in the woke bank. I don't even have an account in the woke bank. They canceled my account in the woke bank because I'm a white, straight, Christian, male member of a patriarchal group, a hierarchical patriarchal group, which now, of course, we've seen that Jesus and the symbols of Christianity are also racist. So now... Uh, that's another thing I have to kind of uh, deal with, I suppose. They're coming tumbling down. Exactly. Yeah. So you see, I have no woke tokens to spend in the World Woke Bank. 
But then you have a lot of other people, you know, the mayor of Chicago, for example, is a black lesbian woman. So she's got woke tokens there Mm -hmm. because traditionally, historically, those are three groups of people who are oppressed. So then you add up her woke tokens and that's her woke worth or whatever. And the people with the higher woke worth, they're becoming the socially elite, right? And then what do you have? You have the people who are woke and then you have the people who are allies of those who are woke, right? So you have people like the Hollywood stars who have really nothing to do or say, just make your movies. Okay. But no. So I'm going to make a Facebook post now or an Instagram post or whatever that says, you know what I mean? I'm going to post the blacked out picture or I'm going to change my profile picture to a rainbow or I'm going to whatever for the month of June. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And now, even though the person doing it might be white, straight, Christian in theory, but now they have some woke tokens because they're allying themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, yeah. And if you don't do that, you know, I know that both of us, I think, have gotten calls from people. Where has your voice been on this? Mm. Where has your voice been on this, especially in terms of all the racial tensions of the last few months? You know where my voice has been on this? With my people in my parish, which is an African American parish, dealing with them getting pulled over for no reason, getting with them, losing people to violence in the streets of the city. That's where my voice has been. Yeah. And that's where it matters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But be, but woke culture doesn't care about that local subsidiarity, whatever, yeah. because nobody cares about that. Nobody hears it. Nobody sees it. Now I'm getting maybe too critical, so I better stop myself here. But listen, woke culture, in, and if the animus of woke culture is identity politics, that's what motivates us, we celebrate and we pick out all the ways that we're different. And that's where we find our worth. And there is some value to diversity. Obviously we have to be diverse, but you know, it's sort of, it's in a way it's sort of like, like within the Catholic church right now, there's this discussion of missionary disciples and the the term gives me indigestion (laughs) because missionary discipleship is just called Christianity. Yeah, (laughs) There's a priest in my diocese who calls missionary disciples functional Christians. Okay. (laughs) You know, so like to celebrate diversity is just called common sense living on the planet. Yeah. You know, and I'm sorry that it's gotten to the point where we have to have words for it and programs for it, because I think there are true and sensitive people on the earth. I do think that there are people on the earth who are racist, who are anti everything that's not them. Okay. But that's not my fault. That's that's there. That's them. So of course we want to celebrate diversity, but what is a central claim about those who have been reborn in Christ and therefore a central claim of Christian culture. And one of the reasons that Christian culture was able to flourish is not that here you have identity politics and your worth is based on all these boxes you check off, but here there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, woman or man, for in Christ, all are one. He's the integrating principle. He's the animating principle. He is the integrating and the animating principle of our world. But we've lost that in many ways. And actually, that is the final point we have time to make on today's episode. I want to just issue a little challenge. Let's hear it. And and just before we do that, what's so beautiful is the more we are integrated in Christ, the more we are one in Him, the more truly, richly diverse we become as well. Exactly. How gloriously different are the saints, St. Louis once wrote. That to me is very exciting. It's very ennobling. Because I think often we get lost in this 
mindset of thinking that, oh yeah, well, if we could all just sort of get along and sort of not debate anything that's really contentious. And, you know, the families that many of us grew up in never talked politics or religion at the dinner table. And that was a certain avoidance of conflict that does make sense at times. But what it leads to is this kind of mass relativism and now just endless noise and a whole generation feeling existentially orphaned, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's never been so fresh or exciting or perhaps even original to proclaim the gospel with your life in a world that's actually desperate for true unity, true integration, and ultimately true culture. Final challenge. Well, we want to have a Christian culture. I want Jesus to be everything, of course, in the way that he's become everything to me. I would love to see him become everything again, at least in theory, <laughs> to the world, right? And there'll always be sinners. I'll always be you know, tempted and, and kind of this concupiscence concupiscible appetite, which I, uh, you know, we often give into it, but there will never be a Christian culture as long as there remain 35,000 Christian denominations. Mm. There will never, ever be a Christian culture as long as there is such a violent splintering of the body of Christ. Mm. Charles Taylor, a great philosopher, kind of of our, of our day now, he his great book, The Secular Age, he has a chapter called The Great Disembedding, mm. where you begin to see the taking away one by one of the three marks, right? The three mm. kind of converging things. Hmm. The Reformation was the loss of biblical faith ironic. within our culture. A little ironic. And not the total loss of it. It's still around, but a, a definite misunderstanding and perversion of it. Mm. Then you have things like the French Revolution, the Enlightenment, and you've lost Greek thought. You lose, you pervert reason, you know? And even to some degree, the Roman way of life, which values justice, but a balance of justice, but there's a certain pride in who we are. There's a certain desire to show the world who we are. Now we can't endorse everything. Obviously we don't just go take over next town. You know, we're not going to get in our cars and drive to Brentwood, Tennessee and say, we're here from Nashville and we're taking over, you know, but you've even seen that kind of go away in a way. So what I want to just, just say a little challenge, I think is that there will never be a Christian culture. Christ will never be all in all in the world while he, while his body, the church remains split up mm. into 35,000 different pieces. Mm. And so I just issue a challenge on the one hand, perhaps to evangelicals or to Protestants of any stripe to stop looking at the Catholic tradition and saying it's wrong, it's not good. Because obviously, (laughs) I mean, I'm a Catholic priest. I believe what the church teaches and start saying, I don't understand Catholic theology. Why does the church teach that it's the true church? Mm. That might be a good place to start. But Catholics, come on, for the love of God, learn from our Protestant brothers and sisters how to be joyful, for example, (laughs) how to have uh, faith communities of real community, learn how to be vulnerable, learn how to speak about Jesus, learn how to give a witness to how Jesus has worked in you. Let him work in you. So then you can give a witness of how he's worked in you. Come on, Catholics, you know, get with the spirit in many ways. We shut him out because as we said before, we get lost in the non-essentials. The challenge is for both sides and for all 35,000 sides to say, Jesus, show me the truth wherever it might lead. And may we all find him in that 
and then through him find each other mm. or perhaps through each other find him preach why not both preach why not both but i don't think that i mean obviously a christian culture like we had is a thing of the past and we don't want to be nostalgic about it but let's maybe ask for the grace to return to the to the spirit of the early church mm. where jesus was new where he was fresh where he was really real yeah. where his spirit was everywhere and people were willing to be joyful mm. even as they suffered for the sake of the name so the call to be fervent in rebuilding of culture beginning with unity, beginning by becoming one. I love it. Father Ryan, always a pleasure. Great to be with you. See you in about a month. Okay. Peace. Bye everyone. Listening to Barcelona off of the double disc masterpiece by Kevin Hyder called The Spark. Now I'm playing that because next week I'm sitting down with Kevin Hyder, and there's more to come on that in just a moment. But let's just take a moment to first allow our hearts to be, you know, sort of blown and stretched and expanded here by Father Ryan Adorjan. What an astute assessment. I mean, you can tell he's a professor, you know, like, come on. I've never thought of Christian culture like that. I've never even thought about the history of the church like that. What a mind-blowing, beautiful, heart-stretching conversation today with Father Ryan Adorjan. But as I said, next week, Next week, we get to sit down with one of Lovegood's oldest friends, one of my oldest friends, Kevin Hyder, brilliant singer-songwriter from Dayton, Ohio. And not only that, we're going to be doing a, a double conversation with Kevin, a little bit like Scott Mulvihill a year ago, like one episode just wasn't enough. So it's a back-to-back doubleheader with Kevin Hyder that'll culminate in a live stream concert experience that includes meet and greet access on Zoom. So many fun things coming. In the meantime, there's probably something you should be doing. You want to know what it is? You should be going to lovegoodculture.com slash store because we are putting everything related to coffee on sale right now. Okay, that is like coffee that typically is only and exclusively curated for our patrons. For a brief time this week, we're making it available to everybody else. And uh, also mugs, all right? The Love Good Coffee Mug was designed by the one and only David Lee. He's now a seminarian studying in Rome, which is awesome. And he'll be the first to admit he wasn't exactly the best at designing most things, okay? But when it came to this mug, it was an instant classic, okay? I think we have since gone through five, six, 700 of these mugs, certainly with our patrons, but also many of you out there who are just love good fanatics like we are. And today's your day to get the coffee and the mug, not for free. I I wish I could say for free, but at a steep discount. And there's all kinds of other things in the store as well, but the, the coffee related products are ablaze with discounts. 
this week and this week only. And you're probably some of the only people to know about that. Again, lovegoodculture.com slash store. I'll be back next week with Kevin Hyder. And in the meantime, just want to let you guys know that life in Tampa is good. It's really, really good. But I'm in and out of Nashville right now for all kinds of beautiful reasons as well. And definitely looking forward to seeing many of you on the road because Marisol has not slowed down in booking backyard shows. Safe, sensible, socially distanced, but also amazing, culturally just beautiful nights with artists like Jackie Minton and many others. So make sure you're staying in touch with us on Instagram and following those nights of culture, those nights of beauty, those nights of live music as they unfold as well. Y'all are amazing. Have a great week. We'll see you next time around with Kevin Hyder. Massive thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. If you like this week's episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, share it on social media, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and then join us on the front lines of building a better culture by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. Our patrons get all kinds of incredible exclusive content, such as a weekly long-form video of the podcast, a monthly live stream house concert with our artists, and a seasonal package that will raise your standard for music, books, and art forever. Thanks again for tuning in. It's an honor to accompany you as you change the world.